0: Alright, so we've covered uh, basically six aspects of the Holy Spirit, and at the end of the lesson, and again, this might be a short one, so I might give you some time to get out and get some more coffee before uh, the service starts, but I said that last time and we ended up taking the whole hour, so we'll see what happens. Uh, Maybe some opportunity to really talk about some application. Again, uh, I think some meat. Uh, revelation, not revelation, but truths about some of the passages we're going to cover today. So I'm excited about that. But we will go over that. I'm going to give you a little uh, pop quiz, if you will, um, about all the aspects of the Holy Spirit. Because again, we've talked about six aspects. We're going to talk about two more today. So really eight aspects, uh, characteristics, if you will, roles that the Holy Spirit plays, um, which is really quite exciting. And yet, think about it. How much attention as you read scripture do you give to the Holy Spirit? Right? Very little. And why? We talked about this last week. What is the, what is the focus of the Holy Spirit? Jesus Christ. And everything that He does, it's pointing towards glorifying Christ. Even the work that He's doing in us through sanctification, what's the focus? To conform us into the image of Jesus Christ. We're going to see today... Um, so last week we talked a lot about the Holy Spirit in the believer's life. This week is really a focus on what He does in the rest of the world, right? To unbelievers. That's the focus today. And then we'll wrap it up with, like I said, kind of a pop quiz to bring all this together. Okay? Is that fair? All right, if you will, let's uh, go to item number one. It should be on page 73. The Holy Spirit's work in the world. The Holy Spirit today is convicting the world of sin, of righteousness, and of judgment. He uses the lives and prayers of believers, the words of Scripture, and various circumstances of life to convince unbelievers of the truth of the gospel. If you have your Bibles, please um, open to John. and We're going to actually start in 14. John 14. Um, The context of what's going on here in John is that it's getting close to the time where, where Jesus is going to die on the cross right he's going to be leaving them and he's trying to explain all this to them and he's trying to encourage them so that's what's happening in john and we'll be in 14 15 and 16 but this idea of the holy spirit and if i go back again item one the holy spirit today is convicting the world of sin of righteousness and, and, and judgment that's really the what what is the holy spirit doing how he do does that is the second part of that he uses the lives and prayers of believers, the words of scripture in various circumstances of life of the believer right to convince unbelievers of the truth of the gospel. Primary in all of that is is scripture. Right the word and we're going to see that. And and this is uh, I'm pretty excited about it. I'll be honest with you, I'm getting ahead of myself. This passage in John 16:7 through 11 has always puzzled me a little bit, but we'll get there, okay? But let's start in John 14. In verse 15 is where we will start. And again, what we're trying to do is introduce this idea of what's going on with the role of the Spirit. So starting in verse 15. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. And I will ask the Father, and He will give you another Helper, that He may be with you forever. That is the Spirit of Truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it does not behold him or know him. But you know him, because he abides with you and will be in you. So a couple things there, right? We've talked about the Helper. Jesus is leaving. He's telling everyone. They've been with him for three years, and he's telling them, I'm about to leave you. But everything that I've talked about, the promises that I've given you, I'm going to give you something else in my absence. The Helper, the Holy Spirit, the Comforter. Right, that's going to empower you. But what kind of a spirit is it? It's a spirit of truth. You know, I go back to how does the Holy Spirit convict? And it is through God's truth, God's revealed word. And that's going to be very important um, when we talk about evangelism. All right, so keep that in mind. All right, so he's telling the disciples again I'm about to leave you, but I'm gonna give you a helper. All right, let's jump over to verse 26. 1426. But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, He will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I said to you. Do you remember one of the roles or aspects of the Holy Spirit we studied last week? Illumination. Illumination right? Revealing truth <clears throat> as we go through Scripture. You can't do that as an unbeliever. You can read it, but you can't understand it, right? It's the Holy Spirit that gives that illumination. Good. All right, let's jump over to chapter 15, verse 26. When the Helper, right, the Holy Spirit comes, whom I shall send to you from the Father, that is the Spirit of truth, who proceeds from the Father, he will bear witness of me. So again, it describes the Helper as the Spirit of truth and his goal is to bear witness of Jesus Christ. Right? That's what the truth does. To bear witness of Jesus Christ. Alright, so let's go to our passage here on the top of page 73. in this verse, and you can turn to your Bibles if you want. It's just one chapter over. John 16, 7 through 11. And I'm going to try to not talk as much today, so if I could have someone read that. Glenn, would you mind reading that for me?
1: When I tell you the truth, it is to your advantage that I go away. For, for, for if I do not go away, the helper shall not come to you. If I go, I will send him to you. And he, when he comes, will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment, concerning sin, because they do not believe in me, and concerning righteousness, because I go to the Father. And you no longer behold me, and concerning judgment, because the ruler of this world has been judged.
0: Good, thank you. Um, I don't know how many of you, th- this passage has always puzzled me a little bit. You know, what does this really mean? And it's pretty succinct, right? Uh, he will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. Concerning sin, because they do not believe in me. Concerning righteousness, because I go to the Father and you no longer behold me. And concerning judgment, because the ruler of the world has been judged. So you have these elements of sin, righteousness, and judgment. On the surface, it can seem as simple as, well, yeah, he convicts the unbeliever of sin. He, he makes them feel guilty, right? That's often our understanding of conviction, right? I, I had two bowls of ice cream last night. I should have only <coughs> had one. I, I'm, I feel convicted. I feel guilty, right? That's how we often think of conviction, And so it's easy to say what this is saying is simply that the Holy Spirit convicts people of sin. You shouldn't do that. Of righteousness, here is the standard. This is what you're supposed to do. And if you don't do it, there will be judgment. There is no doubt an element of that in all of this. right? That's what's going to happen to the unbeliever. But that's really not what this is saying. And it starts with our understanding of the word conviction. What does it mean to convict um, and I'm getting this from some commentaries, so I didn't I didn't get this all myself, right? But if you look at that word, it is really a legal term, and um, it's a it's a um, think of a lawyer who's doing a prosecution, and he's trying to convince. He's not trying. He is convincing by laying out all the evidence to a final verdict. It's almost like the lawyer and judge combined. So when we talk about convict here, it's laying out all of the evidence to say you are guilty. That's what's happening here when we talk about conviction. So we, the Holy Spirit is convincing through evidence and rendering a final verdict. Um, there was a uh, uh, podcast that I listened to from John MacArthur on this, and he talks about uh, many of the prophets, even Jesus being a prosecutor. Right? He came to prosecute through the truth. And think about that's what the Holy Spirit is doing here. He's a prosecutor. He has all the evidence laid out. That's what this is talking about when we talk about conviction. So when we talk about sin, what he's convicting the unbeliever, trying to convince them of through evidence, is here's the measuring stick. right? Here's the law. You are being measured against the law, and you are guilty. And the ultimate sin, because what does it say? Concerning sin, because they do not believe in Me. Right? You will ultimately go to hell because you are not believing in Jesus Christ as your Savior. That's the evidence that the Holy Spirit is laying out when He convicts the unbeliever of sin. Does that make sense? It's a little bit different than just feeling guilty about their sin. Right? He's he's calling them... You know, he's laying out the evidence. You are guilty. Same with the righteous now. Righteousness. And concerning righteousness, because I go to the Father and you no longer behold me. Again, the context, remember what's happening here, Jesus is telling them, I'm about to leave you. What did Jesus do in the sense of righteousness during his time of ministry? What did he do to the religious leaders concerning righteousness? He confronted their self-righteousness. They were hypocrites. They knew the law, but they didn't know the law. He was the fulfillment of the law, right? And yet they didn't see it. So what did he do? He challenged their self-righteousness. He laid out all the evidence and rendered them guilty. He did that time and time and time again. But guess what? He's leaving. The helper, the Holy Spirit, is going to come and do the same thing. Okay? Does that make sense? That's that nuance there, that difference? Same with judgment. And concerning judgment, because the ruler of this world has been judged. So there is a judgment that we think is fair based on a, a secular or world view that is governed by Satan, right? He is the prince of the air, he is the prince of this world. And what it's saying is he's already been judged. That that judgment system has already been proven false. Right? You will be judged based on a godly standard. So the Holy Spirit is confronting that worldly judgment or that standard against God's standard of judgment. Right? I came from a Catholic background and the Catholics apply you know, works to salvation. And so you're always trying to be good enough. Am I good enough? I'm a pretty good person. I'm going to be okay. That's a a worldly sense of judgment, if you will. That's not God's standard of judgment. So that's what the Holy Spirit is is convicting or convincing the unbeliever of. Now think about that. When it comes to sin, he's, He's laid out all the evidence. You are guilty because you have not accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior. The righteousness... The standard, no one can be right. You need Christ's imputation of His righteousness on you. And if you don't, the judgment is hell, is death. What is that? In its basic sense, it's the Gospel. It's the Gospel message. So go back to what is the role of the Helper. Remember, the disciples at the time, they were given the Great Commission. Go out and make disciples of the world. How am I going to do that, Jesus? If you're leaving us, I'm going to send you a helper. And the second part of the the item one up front, right? how is that done? It's through man, through the preaching of the Word. That's why I go back to the Spirit of Truth. That's why this is so important. The Holy Spirit is validating that truth. That's why the Word has to go out and be preached. The Gospel message has to go out. But the Holy Spirit is um, empowering that effort. Right? Our ability to go and evangelize is all about the Holy Spirit doing His work to convict men and women. But convict in the sense of laying out all the evidence, rendering the verdict, not making them feel sorrowful. Um, if you have your Bibles, let's go to Second Corinthians. <clears throat> this idea of a worldly sorrow. <clears throat> Glenn, yeah.
1: Um, on the aspect of Jesus leaving, sending the Holy Spirit and he explains kind of how, how that works. I like the aspect also that that he's demonstrating again that, that that's our place. He's, he prepared a place for us, mm. and that as he leaves, so shall we. We shall leave and be with him. And so he's not demonstrating this, well, you know, you get saved and you just be on a better earth kind of place. For sure. So better. It's better. not perfect, but it's better. Yeah. But here he's saying, you're going to be with me. And yep. See, I have to go and demonstrate that.
0: And yeah. Well, that's a great point, Glenn, because, you know, he, he always gives the final hope, right, that there will be a day of glorification. You will be with me. But until then, there's this time that the world hated me. You know, that was part of the message here that he was telling them is the world hated me. The world's going to hate you. And again, if you're leaving us, well, how, how can we handle that, Lord? How can we do the Great Commission if the, if the world hates us? I'm going to send you a helper. And this is what he's going to do. Right? That's the hope that he gives. But to your point, yes, there will be a day um, when we do go be glorified and we won't have to worry about that. But until then, I send you a helper. All right, 2 Corinthians 7. <clears throat> I'm going to pick it up in verse 8. For though I caused you sorrow by my letter. Again, Corinthians is all about sanctifying the church. So Paul's pretty direct. What is he doing? Paul is a prosecutor, isn't he? Right, He's laying out the evidence. He's laying out the truth, even to the believers. For though I caused you sorrow by my letter, I do not regret it. Though I did regret it, for I see that letter caused you sorrow, though only for a while. I now rejoice, not that you were made sorrowful, but that you were made sorrowful to the point of repentance. For you were made sorrowful according to the will of God, in order that you might not suffer loss in anything through us. For the sorrow that is according to the will of God produces a repentance without regret, leading to salvation. But the sorrow of the world produces death. Can you see how if the Holy Spirit simply made us feel guilty for some sin, right? that sorrow leads to death. It's just a worldly sorrow. We need a sorrow that leads to repentance. And that's what the Holy Spirit is doing to convince the unbeliever Right? Again, laying out the evidence, rendering the verdict. Does that make sense? So you can see the contrast there between the intent is not to produce a worldly sorrow, but a godly sorrow that leads to repentance. So let me ask you guys something. Um, well, let's finish, let's finish the, the passages here. Sorry, getting ahead of myself again. Let's skip Acts 2 and let's go to the bold, Romans 1. For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. So what, what is the, um, it's self-explanatory, but what's being done here? The gospel is going out, the preaching. I talked about the spirit of truth. How is the spirit convicting the unbeliever? Through the gospel, right? Through the preaching of God's word. Romans 10, so faith comes from hearing, and hearing by the word of Christ. That's why we here at HBC have such a high view of Scripture. And we will defend to the death, you know, the, the uh, exposition of God's word, uh, word from the pulpit, why we have growing disciple classes to teach the word, why we have a theology class, why we dig in deep, right? It's to make sure that God's truth is going out. And then what happens in uh, Acts 2? What was happening in Acts 2? Do you remember? <clears throat> it was the time of Pentecost. It's where we see this transition of the Holy Spirit act in a different way than he did in the Old Testament to the New Testament. We saw all these manifestations of um, these folks drink or, um, speaking in different tongues, which were really just separate languages. Um, the manifestation of what looked like flames Right? So we see all this. And, and Paul, or Peter, again, being um, the prosecutor, says this in Acts 2. After, after he gets up and he, he explains what's happening, they're not drunk. Right? They're, they have been indwelt with the Holy Spirit. Acts two thirty seven. Now, when they heard this, they were pierced to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Brethren, what shall we do? That's the Holy Spirit convicting. That's the result of that. Again, the truth was preached, and it pierced their heart. What shall we do? So my question to you is, in light of how we just described John 16, 7-11, how might this change our view of the Holy Spirit in our evangelism? What are your thoughts? Miss Crean? I
2: feel like it would... Um... Help me to be bolder.
0: Mm. Okay, good.
2: Knowing that he's working through what I'm saying, knowing the power is not of me. um, I don't have to convince anybody. It's the Holy Spirit. All I have to do is be obedient.
0: Right, good. Ayo, did you have a comment? (laughs)
3: I'm going to ask what Ms. comment said. Um, Sometimes when we go out to... Evangelize or preach. One of the things that a missionary said to me was that it helps me not to be discouraged because sometimes you are falling up in a particular person for years and the person doesn't change. Mm. What you should do, or that community does not accept God yet, what you should do is continue to do that, knowing that it's the Holy Spirit mm-hmm. that actually does the final work. Yeah. So for her <clears throat> as a missionary, that is what's put
0: the on apart. I'm going to do the work. Yeah. Police is going to do the rest. Mm-hmm. So it keeps on going off. Yeah. So. Yep. Yeah. Excellent.
4: Good. Glenn, did
0: you have something? Or
4: somebody over here? No? Yes, Alex. Uh, I think it puts <coughs> the burden on you to know what you're talking about. Because mm. he only works through truth. Okay. So if you're... You need to know, like uh, as Peter says, uh, be ready at all times to give an account for the hope that is in you. Um, or in Timothy, like be uh, a good workman. Uh, yeah, I can't remember the verse now, but essentially, like if you if you can't if you don't know uh, if you're talking to somebody who's intelligent, you can ask good questions. And you don't have the answer, um, making up an answer. Is not the correct response. Mm. You know, like if you don't know the truth, to answer that question is better to be humble and say that yeah. instead of make something up and then be a negative. You're, you're actually doing more damage than you are.
0: Yep. Good. So that's an important aspect, right? We've talked all morning about God's truth, is how the Holy Spirit. So understanding truth is really important in our. Um, evangelistic ministry you know go back to the item one there the second half of that he uses lives so our lives how we demonstrate our behavior in front of our kids our community at work it's a demonstration of the work of the holy spirit in us that is truth as well right Uh, um, we are demonstrating a standard through our prayers you know praying for those um, our family friends who are unbelievers Obviously, we talked about the words of Scripture, and then various circumstances of life. You know, how how did you just handle um, dealing with a chronic illness, or uh, the loss of life, the loss of a loved one, loss of a baby? Um, the list goes on and on, right? We are continually demonstrating through all aspects of our lives, but it really comes down ultimately to Scripture. Chris,
1: there's yes. There's a sense in that. What you just described—a a, 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 um, requirement—or or, or for us to be vulnerable, so to speak, for mm. people to see God work—and to um, for them it might seem like foolishness. Yeah. And to be open to that kind of ridicule. Yeah. You know, I, I personally, you know, not, don't like that very much. <laughs> yeah.
0: That's <laughs> but, a great um, point, Glenn. But
1: that's, in a sense, that's what we're to do, and that's that aspect of not being ashamed of. It.
0: Yeah, um, that's a great point. Being transparent, being vulnerable, um, and understanding that. I know when I was saved for me personally, one of the manifestations was um, as far as drinking. I just I had no desire to drink anymore, alcohol, and so that has been an opportunity through um, being in the military and and even in my current job. Not that that's a focal point, but you know, if we're doing a social event and I grab a diet coke, sometimes I'll get. Hey, you don't drink, and, and that's an opportunity, that's a window for me. But back to kind of the theme over here, the reliance is totally on the Holy Spirit. We're just being obedient. We're just being faithful, right? So, so that should make us bolder, that it's the Holy Spirit that's working in that person's life. Let me give you an example. I have a, a buddy I went to high school with. We ended up going to college together. Um, we were roommates and I got saved the, the summer before my last year in college. And so he, he knew me through all of that and um, I was very blessed with with a core set of friends that even though I was transformed, you know it didn't change our friendship as far as them accepting me. They were very accepting of me. but um, I remember two of my, my good buds in college. I gave them as I graduated, I gave them both a Bible, an NASB with a a note in there, and I'm sure I had the gospel message in there. I don't even remember, right? I was on fire and wanted to see my friends get saved. And so um, I did. I I wrote that, and and life goes on. Fast forward you know, a couple years ago, I still kept in touch with with both of those guys, but one in particular. And he was going through a a difficult time. He was going through a divorce with his wife, not a believer. um, But it was another opportunity in that time of crisis to to bring back up christ and say hey hey brother here's what christ has done in my life and i said i i really encourage you to get a bible he says no i got a bible i still have the one you gave me and it's sitting right here and that just boy you know that just really touched me because he never got rid of that he didn't give it to thrift the the Holy Spirit is convicting him. That Bible is sitting right there. Now he is still not a believer. All right, nothing has changed. And yet, what a neat opportunity to see the Holy Spirit at work there. Um, and that's that's the truth at work, right? That's the Holy Spirit convicting him. Um, will he ever be saved? I don't know. That's in the Lord's hands. Um, but to the point made earlier, that's that's the Holy Spirit's job. I just have to continue to be obedient. When I have opportunity to share the gospel with him, I'll do that. Until then, I keep praying. Um now all of that points us to the second item here. Right? We can do all this, the Holy Spirit convicts, but what has to happen? Only the spirit of God can awaken a spiritually dead person to his sinful condition and to the truth of the gospel. Left to himself, man does not seek God. It is the grace of God that sends the spirit to convince man. There's that word convince of his desperate need of Christ. And these passages are familiar, but let me start with um, a definition that we often, this um, idea of the Spirit awakening the dead person, uh, often a term we call regeneration, right? It's the act of God in which He imparts new spiritual life, um, born again. Bottom line is this person is dead. Dead, dead, dead. And they need a new heart. They need to be transformed. That's what regeneration is. And that's the work of the Holy Spirit. All right? And some very familiar passages. Romans three ten through 18. Can I have some... Alex, can you read that for me? Are you there? Or?
4: I have in my notes. Uh, as it is written, There is none righteous, not even one. There is none who understands. There is none who seeks for God. All have turned aside. Together they have become useless. There is none who does good, there is not even one. Their throat is an open grave, with their tongues they keep deceiving. The poison of asps is under their lips, whose mouth is full of cursing and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood, destruction and misery are in their paths. and the path of peace have they not known. There is no fear of God before their eyes.
0: Good, thank you. There is none who seeks for God, right? It is impossible to seek God in our sinful, degenerate state. It is only through the work of the Holy Spirit that can regenerate. So I love the fact that what we just discussed up in item 1 in John 16 is that the Holy Spirit is convincing, convicting the unbeliever, right, of their unbelief. So there will be no excuse when the time of judgment comes. None, Right? The evidence has all been laid out. And yet the only way for that person to become a believer is if the Holy Spirit regenerates their heart, transforms their heart. Ephesians 2. Heather, can you read that for me, please?
5: Sure. <clears throat> and you were dead in your
2: trespasses and sins in which you formerly walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, of the spirit that is now working in the sons of disobedience. Among them, we too all formerly lived in the lusts of our flesh, indulging the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, even as the rest. But God, being rich in mercy, because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our transgressions, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved.
0: Good. All right. So same kind of theme there. And then the last one, 2 Timothy. And they may come to their senses and escape from the snare of the devil. Have you been held captive by him to do his will. All right, so it's the work of the Holy Spirit regenerating our lives. If you turn over to the next page, top of page 74, just some supplemental notes. Same type of theme, but we'll read that. 1 Corinthians, But to us God revealed them through the Spirit, for the Spirit searches all things, even the depths of God. For who among men knows the depths of a man except the Spirit of the man which is in him? Even so, the depths of God no one knows except the Spirit of God. Now we have received not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is from God, so that we may know the depths graciously given to us by God, of which depths we also speak, not in words taught by human wisdom, but in those taught by the Spirit, combining spiritual depths with spiritual words. But a natural man does not accept the depths of the Spirit of God, or, for they are foolishness to him, and he cannot understand them, because they are spiritually examined. But he who is spiritual examines all things, yet he himself is examined by no one. For who has known the mind of the Lord, that he will direct him, But we have the mind of Christ? In Acts 16. And a woman named Lydia from the city of Thyra, a seller of purple fabrics, a worshiper of God, was listening. Whose heart the Lord opened to pay attention to the things spoken by Paul. When she and her husband, and I'm sorry, and when she and her household had been baptized, she urged us, saying, If you had judged me to be faithful to the Lord, come into my house and stay. And she prevailed upon us. And then John 6, No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him, and I will raise him up on the last day. And he was saying, for this reason, I have said to you that no one can come to me unless he has been granted him from the Father. All right. So again, just reemphasizing this theme of it is only through the work of the Holy Spirit, through regeneration. All right. If you go to uh, your homework, <coughs> page seventy-five, we've talked a lot about this, but I'm I'm wondering if we can see if you can summarize the interpretation there. So again, explain what John 16, 7-11 means when it says the Holy Spirit convicts the world of sin. Again, let's go back to convict. Can someone maybe try and summarize? What does that word really mean in this case, to convict? Kind of, uh,
5: lay out the evidence
0: that you are guilty. Yep, a- against a standard, God's standard, and render a verdict. It's not about just pleading to a jury. You are, you are the prosecutor and the judge. Right, here's the evidence and here's the verdict. So good, that's what convict me. So in regards to sin, it's again being measured against the law of God and rendered guilty. Ultimately, for what sin though? It doesn't talk about sins, it talks about sin. Unbelief. Unbelief not believing in Jesus Christ as your Savior. Right? Because we know that's the only way you can be right before God. And the second part of that, again, righteousness We saw that Jesus confronted the self-righteousness, the hypocrisy that was happening during his time, the religious leaders. He had to go away, though. So the Holy Spirit's going to continue that ministry of confronting the world's self-righteousness. The standard, it's God's righteousness. And no one can be right. We just talked about that. No one pursues God. No one is good before God. Right? Righteousness, a right standing before God. It is only through the imputation of Christ's righteousness on us. Right? And that happens at the point of justification. And then judgment. Again, Satan has already been judged. The the world standard has already been judged. You will be judged against God's standard. And the culmination of all that is what? Is the gospel message. So I think that's just beautiful. And, and remember, the Great Commission was go out and make disciples. The Holy Spirit, the Helper, has gone forward to do that on our behalf. So really, the application question, and you guys have answered um, that very well, how should the necessity of the Holy Spirit's role in drawing someone to Christ affect your evangelism? A little bit of a twist on that, right? Um, how should the necessity of the Holy Spirit drawing, so this idea of regeneration, how might that impact our evangelism as well? Any thoughts on that? Very similar, but to what you answered earlier.
5: It's knowing that it's the Holy Spirit that ultimately enlives someone. Um, we can be comforted to know that regardless of what we preach, um, in, in faithfulness, of course, that it's the Holy Spirit that uh, converts someone. Yep. And that we don't have to, it's not up to us to convert them. Ultimately. Right,
0: right. Yeah, Johnny, that's really important, right? Anyone get discouraged trying to evangelize a family member for years and years and years and years, and and you're like, "Ah, nothing's working. Mm -hmm. It's kind of a self-focus. We shouldn't be thinking that way. It should cause us to persevere, right? Because we know it's the work of the Holy Spirit. We need to simply continue to be obedient. My my buddy that I just talked about, right, it's been 20, 30 plus years, Mm -hmm. still not saved. Just keep praying we keep working on it yeah and
6: for all we know um, seeds have been
0: absolutely seeds have been
5: planted for which they may mm-hmm. later become converted but even if they don't become converted at all at least we were faithful to the
0: Lord absolutely And we know that some some plant the seeds some water right work is being done behind the scenes that you're not aware of so perseverance right encouragement and perseverance good um, we know total reliance on the Holy Spirit. You guys talked about that, and not ourselves. Don't get discouraged. But what else? What What is so critical in our evangelistic method? What must we have? I don't have it in my hand, but right, the gospel, the truth. That's you know, back to Alex's point. You've got to be in the Word, so you know the Word, so that in season you're ready. You're ready at all times. And don't be discouraged that you're not a theologian and, and know every you know doctrine to the nth detail. I'm not there either. We know the basics, though. And you need to understand the basics and be able to bring them to the Word. So important. Lawrence.
6: So in our preparation to engage the world, like what you just said, there's an aspect in which, since the Spirit grows within us, then I think there's a passage, passage of Scripture that says don't worry about what we're going to say but the Holy Spirit will tell us mm-hmm. what to say. Right. And then there's another aspect where Paul says, and I think, John, John you, there, there, there's another aspect where you have to be prepared, like study to show yourself approved. Yeah. So yep. that kind of confused me a little bit. Mm. Right? The one aspect, don't worry about it. The Spirit will tell you what to do. Then there's another aspect where you got... Study
1: to show yourself approved, you got to and, and put in some preparation. Yeah, yeah. I, I see those as actually working together. Sure. In that, as we study and so forth, when we get to a certain situation, um, the verse that we just looked at, it, and it, the Holy Spirit will bring to remembrance those things that we have learned. And, you know, um, you know so that the time the can <coughs> necessarily give us uh, insights that we never heard before. Right. Um, that's that's dangerous in a sense. Yeah. We need to be in the Word. Yeah. But also, I wanted to just piggyback on the aspect of you know the gospel. You know what it meant to you. It may be very simple. That's all you need. Right. That's all you need to do is just hey, this is what it meant to me. Yeah. I I, I realized my sin and, and Jesus uh, I just realized his death on the cross and it was real and yeah and I got I fell at his feet and believe in that. Yeah. And, it can just be very simple faith. That is sometimes more
0: powerful. Yeah, yeah. And and Glenn, just a slight nuance. Um, I think what you're saying is, you know, you can share your testimony for sure, the gospel is the gospel. You know, it's not what it means to you individually. Right, 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 right. And I know you knew that, but it is the truth found in scripture. But that gospel message is very simple. Right? And and Lawrence, to your point, you know, we know our, our sanctification, it's a synergistic effect. Right where the Holy Spirit is certainly plays a role in illuminating our mind. How do we get illuminated? We need to be in the Word. We need to study. We're going to grow in that. Right, And it's also being humble. It's saying, Lord, I don't understand this verse. I need to study it more. And that's why a good hermeneutic is so important, Right to understand context and the meaning, the definition behind words in its original setting. Um, so all that is important in us growing in our understanding. So Alex, did you have a point?
4: Uh, <clears throat> yeah, if I, if I could, I just wanted to read the verse I referenced earlier uh, from Second Timothy 2.15 in the New Testament chapter. Mm-hmm. Uh, be diligent to present yourself approved to God, a worker who does not need to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Mm-hmm. So we are commanded to s- s- seek these things at depth. Yep. Uh, and I think uh, to to Lawrence's question, The verse where Christ talks about, do not worry what you will say, that is under persecution. He is saying that in the context of when you are dragged before the authorities is what he says. Mm -hmm. And I believe, and I'm I'm kind of speaking this anecdotally from my own experience, um, is because in those circumstances, it's very complex because you can... Uh, when Paul, like Paul, when he was dragged before the authorities, at times appealed to uh, the, the, the knowledge that some of these men had being over Jewish territories, and at other times, when he was wrongly accused, he said, no, I'm, a, I'm a, a Greek citizen, you will not try me this way, I am bringing this to Caesar, which are two very different approaches, with very different consequences, and I think... And Christ is saying, do not worry what you will say, um, because you cannot know the situation, you cannot read the individuals until you are in the situation. Mm -hmm. And the Spirit will give you the wisdom in that moment Mm -hmm. to speak to that moment. You do not have the premonition to know before time to know what to say. And so it's a dependence on the Spirit, but also a preparation like Glenn was saying, you still have to know the Word. Sure. You still have to be able to speak truth and speak it clearly to an audience that can understand.
0: Yeah, good. Mm -hmm. Ms. Green. Hey,
4: Chris.
0: One second. Okay. Green.
2: So I absolutely agree. However, I also, I know that if someone, a brand new baby Christian, turned around to the person next to them and shared what they knew, which was the bare bones of the gospel, God would absolutely use that to save that person without any preparation and everything like that. Um, so so for me, I think like the temptation is to become, um, to lose confidence, mm. to not be bold, because I'm afraid I'm not prepared enough. I'm always afraid I don't know enough, I don't have enough of the, you know, I don't know all about all the fossils, and I don't know all about all the stuff. (laughs) (laughs) You know what I mean? Like, you're not kidding. No, I understand. So, um, but to me, I feel um, the more I am focused on just this is not something that I can do no matter how much I study or learn or um, all those things, like, I take great comfort knowing that, <clears throat> whatever I say aligned up with the truth of God's word certainly, but whatever I say that God is going to use that and it's not because I um, did all this studying and mem- you know figured all this stuff out um, and I know that you don't mean mm-hmm. I, I know you don't mean that you have to like be some PhD or something to be able to share the gospel but um I just think that there's a caution there, and I, I think that when we start to think about how we have to convince someone because of how we've studied and we're all prepared, and you know now I can share the gospel because I'm prepared. Sure. I just think that there's a caution <clears throat> there, and there needs to be um, a confidence in the Lord, regardless of our um, level of ability and knowledge and all that stuff. Um, yeah. I don't know if all that makes sense. I'm kind of talking in
0: circles, but... No, I understand. Yeah. Um, Alex, and then we'll come over to Glenn.
4: I think... I agree. I think the temptation goes both ways. Yeah. Where you can have confidence in your knowledge. Yep. But then the temptation of the flesh is also to be lazy.
0: Yeah. And mm-hmm.
4: to not yeah. seek after God. Yeah. And so I agree. There's a, there's a harmony that has to exist of you're commanded to seek to know the Lord more. Mm-hmm. Israel was had judgment coming on them specifically in, through some prophets because they did not seek to know God. Mm-hmm. So we are commanded, but there's also, you need to be dependent on the work and the power of the Spirit and not be lofty in your knowledge.
0: Right, okay. right. So I think uh, that's a great way to, to kind of frame up, um, no, no matter where you're <laughs> at in your walk, from the very basic element to, to somewhere up here, don't lose sight of the... You know the focus is the Holy Spirit, right? It's the work of the Holy Spirit, and even if you're up here, the gospel message might be the very simplistic one that you had when you first started, right? It's it's understanding the context of the moment. Glenn,
1: um, <clears throat> to kind of go along with this conversation, it, it drives me sort of wonder why why does God involve us in this at all? Why does He want us to be involved? Um, Sinful that we are, and and sure. prone that we are, why does He want us involved in such an important ministry as as us sharing the gospel? I
0: mean, we know you could use donkeys if you wanted to. Sure, you could just send out a sea of donkeys. Like that <laughs> Wouldn't that be something? <clears throat> so when when you get the answer to that, let me know because that's the great mystery, right? By God's great design and providence, we, we are instruments that He uses as part of His creation, made in His image, to do His work.
1: Um, I, I think in some ways there's a great blessing to be found in yeah. in, that, in, in the act of prayer. In, in the act of the, of the ministry, the act of the graces that yeah. he's given us, um, by involving ourselves in the Word, by involving ourselves in prayer, and involving ourselves in the ministry of the Word, in the Gospel, and sharing it, um, we are blessed, and I think that's what he wants to do. Yeah. He wants yeah. to bless us through that. Yeah. Uh, and, and also the aspect of timing.
0: You know, I, yeah, I was just going to go back to item one again, all the different aspects of how he uses us. Right. Different circumstances, prayer, preaching the word, um, our life, tithing, other things. Right. It's it's uh, it's just wonderful. So. All right. Any other um, does anyone want to share any other examples of just evangelistic um, examples of, of things we're discussing here that might have played out? But Io, did you have a comment? Yeah, please.
3: My comment was, is, um, I was in Pastor Allen's class one time, and something I've been hearing but never actually came to me was the fact that um, faith, repentance, and forgiveness actually get from God. Mm. So um, there are some people in families that their parents are even pastors, like Pastor Nick had a brother that never even converted. Yeah. They heard all the Bible, went yeah. all the Bible, You went to Bible school, but he still never gave his life to God. Yeah. So what I started doing, is to ask for the Holy Spirit to speak through me, mm-hmm. but ask that God please give this person the gift of mm-hmm. repentance, mm-hmm. the gift of faith, mm-hmm. and the gift of forgiveness. So it's in the same way that repentance is granted by God, at Acts 11, 18 and 2 Timothy 2, 25. Faith is also a supernatural gift of God. By grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is a gift of God. Amen. So it's so important that we have to ask for that gift. Yeah. That while the Holy Spirit is walking through us, if they don't have that gift from God, yeah, because God knows his own, his own sheep. And um, so I, I just always pray even for my children, Father Lord. Yeah. Just give them that gift.
0: Yeah, I, I love that, Io, because it, it's, you know, how do we pray? And we can be very specific to your point. Lord, give them the gift of faith and repentance. That's what they need for conversion, to be born again. And it's a gift. Right? Jesus Christ, the author and perfecter of our faith. I love that. That's excellent.
5: And also it's encouragement to you because yeah. you can spend years and years telling the gospel to someone, but sure. if, if the Holy Spirit does not awaken that person, then it's just going to bounce right off.
0: Absolutely. So let, you know, let's bring it close to home. We're finishing up a, uh, a parenting class next week. Parenting, right? You can spend years sharing the gospel with your children, and you need to. But there's no guarantee they're going to be believers. Right? That's not your job. Your job is to share the word, but it's the work of the Holy Spirit. And I love that to be praying specifically for our children. Look, give them the faith, give them repentance. That's beautiful. Elise, did you have something?
5: Yeah, I just wanted to second what I was saying just about the importance of prayer. Sometimes our. <clears throat> our reach, maybe, maybe we even hear about circumstances that other people are going through. We may not know the people directly or have that connection to them to call them, um, but you know that they need help mm. in one way or another. For mm-hmm. example, like my um, a good friend of my sister's recently, her and her um, significant other had a baby and the baby passed away at four months old. Mm -hmm. And, you know, just to imagine how devastating that is for, you know, a couple that has tried, even though they're unmarried, I don't know that they're saved or not, but just, you know, it it hit close to me being a mom, you know, the fact that someone could just lose a baby like that um, when they were seemingly healthy and had no, like, issues at all. And so just my prayer has been just that, you know, God would, you know, make himself known to them that, you know, he would, Call them, you know, to himself, mm-hmm. and not say that they would be saved, and just really, you know, honing in on the fact that there's still something that can be can be done. It's not too late, and that my impact for them would just be to continue okay. to pray as often as I think about them, whether I'm driving, mm-hmm. I'm at work, I'm in the middle of something with my kids. Like you can do it anytime. You don't have to like make a special time yeah. to to have that that impact. And then my other thought was just again on the simplicity of the gospel and sharing the gospel with people, because even in the verse that we read at the beginning, it's it's not being ashamed of that, but that is what has the power to say. Yes. It's not, I mean, like our testimony is great, but if it doesn't go back to the gospel and what convicted us, yeah, absolutely, it's kind of just your experience, or it's a really great story that might motivate someone for a while, but like really just honing in on, you know, Christ died for me. You know, Christ died for you, being willing to share that with someone and being bold to share that with someone, mm-hmm. even though it might seem silly to them, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. and really putting that forward. And just the last piece, one thing that I feel like has, has helped me, not that I've you know, transformed in my evangelism, but like yes. I'm still a work in progress, too. And I'm sure you all have heard of um, Ray Comfort and in, in his mm-hmm. ministry, and those that haven't, please look him up on YouTube. But I think it's really encouraging to see him Go out and speak to people, and just present the gospel, just very simply, very humbly, and just always putting that forward. And that being an encouragement to us of how we can just simply talk to people, whether we're out and about, we're at work, you know, their family members, whatever. Um, but kind of seeing that played out because I, I personally had not seen mm-hmm. that before, even though I've been in church my whole life. Yeah. You know, I think it's it's something that creates fear in a lot of people. Mm. You know, when there's a call that goes out, hey, who wants to go hand out water bottles and evangelize? And they're like, not me. You know, but seeing it in a very real way, it's just encouraging. Like, you can just present the gospel to people.
0: Right. It's hard to do it. Um, I like something you said, and I think you said it this way, but we we all have a testimony, right? And and that's a beautiful, wonderful story of the miraculous work of God in our life. But how often do we tie that to scripture where you can now walk somebody through your testimony but then bring them to the word mm-hmm. right And that might just be the romans road or something very simplistic but have we have we trained ourselves to be quick with that to be able to do that quickly mm-hmm. that'd be my encouragement and to myself too i don't know that i've done a good job of really doing that sharply and concisely so that's a great point good sir
4: just one other <clears throat> different aspect i would think of being dependent on the spirit is uh is knowing your gifts knowing how he's gifted you uh, like uh in a personal example like i i love diving deep into the, the sciences and theologies and i have you know these highly intelligent co-workers that i'll have debates with but that's not everyone's call yeah. you know and uh, you know so uh hearing these things like there's I don't know, 30 people in this class with 30 different sets of gifts called in 30 different ways to yeah. minister to the lost world and seeking God to to open your eyes to your gifts and be dependent on how on that through the Spirit to use you in those ways. You know, not everybody's in the situation I'm in. Yeah. And uh, yep. or you know, whatever, wherever we're all at.
0: Yeah, that's that's a great point. I, when you say that, Alex, I think of the uh, the hotel ministry, Hope for the Sojourner, that we had a couple months ago, and to be a part of that and witness to your point, <clears throat> you know, not everyone was this bold. You know, here's the gospel. Let's sit down. You know, there were some of the behind the scenes that were helping pass out food, and others. You know, everyone was coming together with their gifts and talents to present this united evangelistic opportunity, and it was sweet to see, though. The gospel message preached by Larry, and afterwards to see people individually sitting down and going through specific passages, right? Um, so we all work together and use our gifts. So I think that's a great point. Good. All right, any other? Lawrence?
6: Yeah, the passage that you cited, John 14.
0: Yep. Uh, one of the verses answered my question that I posed
6: like a couple of weeks ago. <coughs> Or three weeks ago where I said what was the role
0: of the Holy Spirit with respect
6: to the old testament thing. Yeah. Well in John fourteen seventeen, mm-hmm. there's a distinction between dwell with present tense and then dwell in yeah. future tense, meaning yeah. Acts one or two. Yep. Yeah. So I think that answered my question. Okay, the old good. Testament, Holy Spirit was dwelling with the elect. Yeah. The New Testament the Holy Spirit dwelled
0: in Yeah. The elect. The indwelling. Yeah, good. So the Holy Spirit illuminating your mind, Lawrence. Good. (laughs) So with that, um, we got a couple minutes. Diane, can I erase your writing? Please. All right, just going to summarize what we've studied about the Holy Spirit the last several weeks. Um, We've talked about eight aspects of the Holy Spirit the last several weeks. So I just want to maybe see if we can't summarize some of that to help put it in perspective. So when we talk about, and I'm going to kind of time phase it or or, or maybe logically phase it is probably a a better way to frame that. But what did we talk about today regarding the role of the Holy Spirit over here? Alright, we talked about the helper that is coming to do what? Convict. Alright, so that's the influence that's happening on the unbeliever. So good. Also though, that same helper is given to us to do what? And and it's what I'm trying to get at is we have a role, right, in trying to evangelize that person. So the helper, we know that the the helper, the Holy Spirit, the spirit of truth is convicting them, right? And that's the confidence we have as we evangelize. So the helper is an encouragement to us as well, of Mm -hmm. course, to the believer, right? So that's a sense of the helper. Okay, what else did we talk about today that has to happen to the unbelievers? So we're starting over here, and we're going to move our way this way. They
7: need to
0: be regenerated. Regenerated, right? So regeneration. Now, when we talk about the order of salvation, we don't have time, and it can be debated on what happens in what sequence. I don't want you to think of it a time thing. Just think of it as a logical sequence. As we walk through this, right? If a person is dead, you can give them as much first aid, as much IV, as much fluids, and what's going to happen? Nothing, right? They must be regenerated for the work to happen. All right, so today we talked about the helper and regeneration. All right. What also happens, and and I'll call this period um, right here, think of this as the point of conversion, where a person was an unbeliever and became a believer. Right? And I only drew it wide because we have different elements in there. So, what else happens? um, Think back to those six other items that we talked about the Holy Spirit. The indwelling. Okay, we talk about an indwelling. Good. The
7: baptism.
0: Indwelling, and we talked about a baptism. Alright, so let's let's make sure we understand those. What is the baptism of the Holy Spirit?
2: Becoming part
0: of the body. Right, being positionally placed into the body. And that happens what? At the point of conversion. What also happens? The indwelling. What is the indwelling? You know, Lawrence, you talked about it. He dwells within. Mm-hmm. That's when we receive, for good, the Holy Spirit to mm-hmm. those who believe. Right?
2: And
0: sealing. And sealing. And what is sealing? It's guarantee. It's a guarantee. It's a pledge. Right? That we will never be separated from Christ again. <clears throat> that nothing can separate us from the love of God. And this all happens at the point of conversion. Right? It all happens. Again, that faith and repentance. That's what's happening at the point of conversion. Alright. And who does all that? God right this is monogistic this is all the work of the Holy Spirit all right we got two more aspects now so we're working our way this way unbeliever being convicted by the Holy Spirit Um, at some point their their heart is regenerated they have faith and repentance which is what a gift as I said even that is from God and at that point, we have the indwelling of the Spirit. We are placed into the church body. We are sealed for that time of glorification. All done by the Holy Spirit. All right? So now we're on the other side of this as a believer. What happens? We begin
7: our process
3: of sanctification.
0: Sanctification. So what role or aspects of the Holy Spirit did we talk about there? What do we need? He's
3: still convicting us. Uh, he is.
0: Yeah. He's illuminating. Illuminating. Okay. Okay. There is assurance. There's one more word I'm looking for. Filling. Filling. We are filled with the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. And what do you remember what that meant? Does that mean uh, we have a cup and we're being filled up and then we lose it? No. Yielding, being controlled by the Holy Spirit. Of all of these, which ones do we play a part in? Sanctification.
2: The, I would say the oh,
0: filling. Right. Oh The yeah. fill. Why? It's a command. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. Are are we ever commanded to be indwelt? To be baptized? You won't find it. The only command is right here to be filled. That's the, the role we play in cooperation with the Holy Spirit. right? To be controlled by the Holy Spirit. So does that, real quick, does that make sense though? How all that fits together, those eight pieces of the Holy Spirit? That's a lot about the Holy Spirit. Right? Eight different aspects, but you can see how that all... Wraps together, Miss Elise. Yeah, I'm, I might
5: have missed this because I don't think I was here when we went through that lesson. But in being filled, are, are we saying then that that's like a choice because we play a role in it? Like we can choose as a believer to maybe not be filled by the Holy
0: Yeah, we, we had a really good discussion, and I would <laughs> encourage you to go back to listen to that tape. But I can, I definitely can. Yeah, because it's really important because I I think we we grow up with this connotation that you know you have a cup and you get filled up. Right. And you, you get filled up by what? By going into the Word, by praying. And, and what happens? We quench the Spirit, and then our glass gets... And that's not what it means. To quench the Spirit simply means to, to, make, to, to make Him sorrowful. And so to be filled is simply meaning you're making a choice to be controlled, to yield to the conviction of the Holy Spirit. Right? To quench that is simply not to yield. And that's what brings Him sorrow. You, you're... You're deciding to go after the lusts of the flesh. And of course, that's a battle all through our sanctification, right? To be filled, again, though, is is choosing to yield to the Holy Spirit, to be controlled by the Holy Spirit. That's what that means. Don't get drunk with wine. Don't be controlled by something else. Be controlled by the Holy Spirit. You don't ever lose the Holy Spirit, right? Our glass is always 100% full. But you can choose not to be controlled by the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. That's the wrestle we do in this world, unfortunately. Does okay. that make sense? Yeah. Okay.
3: This something I learned after a small group that the Holy Spirit also creates a zeal in us. So many of us we are Christians, but we shy away from being zealous for Christ.
0: Zealous, yeah, zealous. yeah, yeah. So sorry. That's
3: okay. <laughs> so Romans 12 11 says, do not be slothful in, ze- in zeal. Um, be fervent in spirit and serve the Lord. So that's something that the Holy Spirit helps us to do yeah. because yeah. many people are to um, bend to woman, come to church, <laughs> serve a little, but the Holy Spirit just creates that... Um, zealousness for us to continue to work, yeah. to keep the word, to serve, to help, to pray, like you mentioned. Yeah. Just to add that to No, I love
0: that. Let me close with this. Again, we go back to the context of John 14, 15, 16. What was happening? Jesus was about to leave them. right? They had been with Jesus for three years, basically, and now he's about to leave them. right? They were probably devastated, discouraged, hopeless, maybe. And yet, we see what happens with, with the role of the Holy Spirit. I think it's wonderful to see all these aspects of how the Holy Spirit is working um, in our lives. Right? That should be an incredible encouragement to us. And as we've talked about, to take the focus off of us and back on God. Right? This is the work that needs to happen. That makes sense? Good? All
7: right, we're close.